Welcome to Sense by Meg Fora, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Fora, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. Always good to be here with you. I'm Meg Fora. I'm an occupational therapist and infant specialist. I've been working with babies for over 25 years in my private practice, predominantly with sleep problems and feeding problems. But my passion is really our typically developing little ones and how we can actually parent in a way that prevents and short circuits difficulties later and that optimizes our little one's development along the way. And so each week I'm joined by somebody who helps me along that journey. So sometimes it's an expert who'll talk to us about a topic, like we've recently had Kath McGaw speaking about weaning, or we might have Sammy Davies speaking about choking. So we have specialists who come on alongside me. And then of course, we have our regular mums who come alongside me too. And for any of you who've been following Cassidy's journey, you'll know that the person we speak to most is Cass. She has a little 28-week-old baby boy, Max, who is this robust, gorgeous little fellow. And he and his little challenges and the joys and delights he brings become our story. And that's the story we talk about each week where Cass talks about what's happened in Max's week. And I then give the input on what that means or what you can, how you can interpret it. And so I'm really, really delighted to welcome back 28-week mum, Cassidy, mum of Max. Welcome, Cass. Thank you. Hi, Meg. Hi. It's always good to have you back on, Cass. And how was our big boy this week? Yeah, it's. I feel like we've started to settle into a really nice routine now. We, I think when you start to introduce three meals a day, I certainly have mentioned before on this, it can feel a bit overwhelming and you think, oh my gosh, how am I going to have the time for that and what am I going to do? And I mentioned last week we were in France and, you know, during that, and it's not the first time I've noticed when you go away, sometimes things become even easier. You feel like they're going to be harder, but you're forced to see what your baby is actually capable of. And so I'm now much more relaxed around meals and things like that. He's eating really well now. We've had problems with his solids in the past, but things like when we were away, we'd go out for lunch and you're sort of thinking, oh, I've got to take all of his food and what's he going to have? And I just have started taking things you know, from our food and putting them on his high chair while we're all sitting around the table at a restaurant. Mm. And we were able to have three course meals with my family while we were in France while he sat and he was fascinated by all these different things. Cucumber is an absolute fave. Brilliant. I think it probably also helps with teething. But, you know, bits of baguettes that he could sort of suck on. Lovely. And tender stem broccoli, all those sorts of things. And I was just picking things off and giving them to him, also taking his purees with us and giving him mm. some of that before I did the mm. picking off and, and mm. giving. But it just helped me become a lot more relaxed around his mealtimes. And as a result, we've actually moved now towards, I was doing the meal plans for next week and we're going to be doing a thing of where I'm going through and taking recipes from his weaning books. Mm -hmm. And then we will eat that 
as well. Lovely. And so rather than having to think, okay, what is Max going to have and what are we going to have? Mm. I feel we're now at a stage where I'm comfortable to all be sharing the same yeah. food. You have got the Weaning Sense book, haven't you? Yes, I have. So yeah, I can just absolutely. tell you that in that recipe book, there are the most incredible recipes. Yeah. Um, there's a risotto that is, you know, it's, it's adult food. It's gorgeous. I think it's and a we, beef and mushroom risotto. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's properly yummy. And, you know, I mean, that's how we designed that book is because we wanted children to have mature flavors right from the get-go. And so right from the start, his weaning journey would have been more flavorful than if you were following a jarred, you know, diet, as it were. Mm-hmm. But it's quite interesting when you talk about weaning. And, you know, I think there's so many different theories on weaning. And for those of you who are interested, please do go back and listen to my episode with Kath McGore. It was unbelievably informative when it came to looking at weaning. And so there's been theories on when to introduce and what to introduce. And then they became a fad. It was in the early noughties. There was a fad to do baby led weaning. And the theory behind classic baby led weaning and strict baby led weaning is that your baby has absolutely no mushed food at all. And so right from the get-go, they actually have whole food, whole steamed food in their hands. Now, the reality is that babies are only able to do that at around about this age. So as they approach seven months, because they don't have the fine motor dexterity to get the food to their mouth. And they also don't have the gag reflex integration to be able to tolerate highly textured foods. And so you could not have a four, five or six month old baby doing baby led weaning or starting their weaning journey on baby led weaning. And so that's why in weaning sense, we talk about modified baby led weaning, which is starting off with the mush, which is exactly how you did start, and then transitioning onto the baby led weaning. And actually, by the time he's about nine months old, you'll probably be doing 75% of his intake would be from himself and only 25% from yourself. From yourself, And that's the beautiful, I call it the dance, you know, where right now it's you who has the, who has the main responsibility, which is why you're taking in your mushed food and you're offering that. And he's just doing maybe 10% of what he's taking in and a whole meal is is what he's self-feeding, but it's going to switch. And that's the beauty of it. That's how he'll take independence. So I absolutely love that he's done it. And it's a classic time in which any baby, not just a kid who's on holiday with his face, but any baby should be having, being exposed to baby led weaning. It's perfect age for it. Yeah. It also kept him entertained. You know, he was fascinated by what was going on Mm -hmm. and how to pick it up. And if he dropped it, that took quite a lot of concentration to pick it up again. And with the bread, for example, if he was, because he didn't actually consume any of the bread because he didn't have the power to, Mm. you know, bite off pieces of the baguette. (laughs) But he was, and the other thing I was doing is sometimes dipping the bread into his puree Mm. Because if he was, if we were eating or he wasn't really interested in his puree because he was thinking, "Mm, you look like you've got something a bit more interesting. (laughs) I was dipping the bread in and he would be sucking that. So he was getting his bits in. And that's actually one of the perfect things that we talk about, which is using food as utensils because he doesn't have the dexterity to use a spoon and he won't have that dexterity for a while, but to use chunks of food to actually have him dip into. And I mean, lovely ideas is to like use that cucumber and dip it into hummus as an example, or into mashed, mashed avo. And both hummus and mashed avo are incredible when it comes to fats and proteins. So you just, you really do want them to be doing that kind of smorgasbord of dipping. It's a really fabulous way to get it in. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about the spoon because he is quite a determined, sometimes not so much for breakfast, but for lunch and dinner, I will think he's not hungry. 
And then I'll remember to give him an opportunity where I just put the bowl and the spoon in front of him. And then suddenly he's really hungry and I have to put a little bit on the spoon, but leave it in the bowl. I can't take it to his mouth. (laughs) And then he will pick up the spoon. It will do a bit of a tour from the back of his head to his mouth. But leaving leaving some remnants in his hair and along the side of his face, but it will eventually make it to his mouth and it. then he'll finish that spoon. So and then I have to take it off him again, put a bit more on, leave it in the bowl and that's how, and then he will eat. Yes, so. That's incredible. I mean, that's incredible. And that's classic learning, you know, for him. He really is practicing. So that's really good to hear. Really amazing. Yeah. And the other thing actually that he loves, although he is not good at doing it by himself, but he absolutely goes mad for his water after his meal he's got a little beaker and I'm trying to teach him to hold the handles to tilt it Mm. to kind of put but I mean it's chaos but when he when I do it for him and tilt it in his mouth he has learned how to drink it out of the beaker and he is it's like he lives in a desert the way he responds (laughs) to the water he can't get enough of it. Yeah. He absolutely loves it. I have to pull it away because I mm. think, oh my gosh, we don't have enough nappies in the world to deal with the amount <laughs> of water brilliant. that you're... Well, that's, I mean, that's another really good point that you bring up because I'm often asked, when do we introduce water? And particularly for mums of younger babies. So let me first preface it by saying, if a little one is on solids at, at four months old, is on solids and breast milk, there's no need for water because breast milk is so incredibly intuitive. It actually will be more dilute if that's what your baby needs. So you don't need to do that. But from four months old, if you are in a combination of formula and solids, you actually do want to start to introduce water after a feed and how you're doing it is exactly right. So 30 to 60 mils of water after a feed is exactly how to do it. And because you did that right from the get-go, it's now something he expects and loves. And then obviously, as soon as they're over six months of age, water becomes increasingly more important. And so just a couple of principles here. The reason why water is important is partly because there's less hydration when they move off a milk diet into a solids diet. And so we want to prevent constipation. And constipation actually is quite common with little ones who've moved on to solids. So that's where the water comes in. And then the second thing is, which I just learned recently, was as soon as we're into protein intake with our little ones, we need to protect their kidneys. So they actually do need quite high doses of water to move through to flush their kidneys. And particularly if they are on high protein diets. So little ones where parents are focusing in on proteins, which of course we are because it's important. Proteins break down into those kind of essential, those essential amino acids that are needed for brain development. So, you know, you do want high protein diet, but you also actually want to then have water afterwards. So it's spot on that he's doing that. And just while we're on the subject of of water, I just want to point out to moms that the one thing you should not be offering your little one at all is fruit juice. And so little ones need to eat their fruit. And even if that's in one of those little sacks where they're sucking the juice out, that's fine because they're getting the fiber, but they do need to not be having any fruit juice in their diet and water then is the preference. Yeah, he has his little once a day frozen berry in his teething sucky thing that he absolutely loves. Sometimes because one of the weaning sense uh, recipes is beetroot and berries. Mm -hmm. So what I've been doing, if that's in his meal, I don't give him the frozen berry. Can I still give him the frozen berry? Is that probably too much berry? No, definitely. No, there's no problem with too much berry. Lots of vitamin C, very, very much needed. So, and remember vitamin C is so critically important for the absorption of calcium and, you know, for lots of other reasons. So you definitely do want lots of vitamin C in their diet. 
it, so, so for example, I mean, this morning he had carrot cake porridge, so there was no fruit Yay. in it, but that his, one of his favorites is apple pie porridge that mm. I sort of said where it's pureed steamed apple, a pinch of cinnamon and a little drop of vanilla essence in his porridge. Love it. Yeah, it's absolutely delicious. <laughs> that is delicious. <laughs> but he, yeah, well, I have so much fun now because I'm comfortable with putting the spices mm. and things. I sort of make mm. things up as I go along. I and it, yeah. But if he has, say, that, and then he was to have a berry, I, I sort of worry, obviously, fruit has got the fructose in it. So is there apple, if he's had a fruit puree for lunch and dinner, should I avoid? No problem. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely no problem. I would be giving him as much fruit as he wants and as, as he enjoys. Right. And then just on that, I don't know if you've noticed one of the recipes in the app is a pear and cardamom porridge. Yes. Um, yeah. And cardamom, oh my goodness, it's such a fabulous flavor and such an advanced mature flavor that little ones can get used to. Have you tried that one? No, I actually need to buy some ground cardamom because I've only, mm. I, I just don't have time to grasp. <laughs> I, no. I need to get some more cardamom. So yeah. I'm, but I'm really looking for, I've got the pear purees in yeah. there, but also, and, and actually I need to start using, I've been using the book a lot for the recipes mm. because I go through with a meal plan with my book in front of me. And I have got some ideas like the, I can't remember what it's actually called, but it's like greens with cream cheese and things like the green mix from the app and a lot of recipes like that. But I need to go and review Mm. them again to get new ideas because I'm starting to look for new things. But the other thing, because there's one recipe, I think it's hake and sweet potato, Mm -hmm. something else. Mm -hmm. I did sea bass for him the other day, but I didn't actually break down the sea bass. He had mashed sweet potato. He had one of those compartment plate mm-hmm. things. And I had the sweet potato on one side and flakes of mm-hmm. the sea bass so that he actually fed I himself it. with it. And he Perfect. seemed to really enjoy that. Sometimes the fish would spend quite a long time just in his mouth and then it would fall out because <laughs> <laughs> I think he was yeah. a bit unsure. But yeah. he got there eventually and he seemed to love it. So This episode is brought to us by Parents Sense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. And Cass, when you talk about him eating whole food, because this will give a lot of moms like the complete heebie-jeebies thinking about their baby taking in whole pieces of sea bass as an example. So was there a time at which he would gag a lot? Have you ever worried about choking? Is this something that's ever been on your radar? Yeah, so he still does gag at times and he'll, you know, sort of give a bit of a retch or something (laughs) and his eyes will kind of fill with water and go a bit red. And I'm always right there. And if I need to give him a little tap on the back to help. But before he was born, I did a first aid course for choking with babies and toddlers Mm. because I wanted to just know that I had the confidence should anything Mm. happen, I knew what to do. Mm. But I also had done a lot of reading about how gagging was fine and Mm -hmm. actually not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that they will do that a Mm. lot. 
Mm. Um, but it's obviously the choking and looking out for the differences between the two. And I am very careful on choking hazards and looking mm. at how to cut up certain foods that are choking hazards. For example, I would never give him a grape mm. or, you know, something like that. There have been times as well where something has come off a bit bigger. I'm trying to, I can't even think now what something might be, but it's come off a bit bigger. It's broken in a certain way. And I just sort of cook it out mm-hmm. if if that does happen. But it's quite rare. Usually I'm yeah. either chopping things up very small or making sure that anything that is going into his mouth is, I call it melty. Like it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you've certainly covered all the bases that I would have mentioned. I think it is important for mums to recognize the difference between choking and gagging. We actually have just loaded in a course into the app on choking. Um, it's run by a nursing sister out of Australia. It is absolutely the most ex- exceptional course on choking. It, it is part of a CPR course, but you can just do this choking piece. So it's actually loaded as choking on the app. And what's very interesting is when I was going through it, because obviously I review every course that goes onto the app very carefully and I went was going through it. And one of the videos that Sammy puts into the into her course is this video on YouTube of a baby gagging. And my blood pressure rose immediately just watching it. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness, is this baby going to be okay? But it was just a gag. And you know, gagging can be look terrifying because as you say, eyes are watering and you know kind of they've got this uh, 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 sound going on and it's you know it, it really can freak you out but it's actually not a bad thing and gagging is really really important because it is one of the precursors that actually prevents a little one from choking and so we do think that gagging is important obviously choking is not important choking is something that we want to avoid and that involves a complete abstraction and babies are silent when that happens mm-hmm. and i had a very scary incident with my own son with my eldest who choked on marshmallows he was 2 years old i was um, 9 months pregnant with his sister who was born a week later and he got to a birthday party and stuffed three marshmallows into his mouth. I don't know if you knew this, but marshmallows is one of the highest risk products on the market, if you can imagine, for Mm -hmm. choking. And the reason why is that as it goes down, it expands with moisture. And so there's just no way to get it out, you know, and and that you can slam out. But when you've got to choke with a a marshmallow, it doesn't. So a baby should not have marshmallows ever. And thank goodness somebody at this birthday party had new CPR, new infant CPR, and literally saved James's life. So yeah, it is scary when you have a choking incident. But for that one choking incident I had with James, I probably had two thousand gagging incidents and they are totally you know not nothing to worry about well again my slightly nutty son seems to really enjoy gagging because of this <laughs> this smile comes across he's got these watering eyes but he's looking at you being like oh isn't this funny but he's always found coughing and sneezing really funny so yeah, but you know it's quite interesting um Cass and you know little ones reference everything of their parents emotions so if you were standing there while he was gagging looking utterly panic-stricken and screaming Alex come and help me you know that if you did a bit of that he wouldn't be have a smiley face. He would have a panic-stricken face every time it happened. And that's one of the things that I often say to moms is just be careful about what what your facial expression is doing during a mealtime. Because, you know, if your little one is eating something that you don't like and you're pulling a face about it, then no wonder they're going to end up being fussy. And likewise with gagging, if you're pulling all these faces and panicking all the time, it creates an anxiety around mealtimes, which is not needed. We're actually trying to do the same because he's sitting now, but every now and again, he will sort of topple yeah. to one side or behind. We're working on not reacting. Yeah. Oh, if he starts actually crying, yeah. then of course, Lots of I will go and, yeah, yeah. 
but not going, oh my gosh, are you okay? Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, just going, oh dear, you're fine. Yep. You know, sort exactly. of that sort of thing. Because I think from what I've learned, if you can try and avoid reacting from the offset, then they're less likely, they're sort of more likely to get off, brush themselves off later exactly. down the line. Exactly. Completely. Yeah. And Cass, I mean, we've t- t- talked quite a bit about his feeding this week. What's going on for him developmentally? 28 weeks. So what's going on? Yes. Yeah, so I mentioned last week, he always wants to be doing the next thing. So he now, he rolls onto his front and he now pushes himself up. So he's on his hands and his knees or sometimes wow. even just his feet. And he like really holds himself head for quite a long incredible. time. But it's like, he's going, okay, guys, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and then amazing. he just sort of collapses. So yeah. he looks like he is about to start crawling. And my mum keeps saying, oh, Cass, he is so close to crawling and I think it's quite quite a big leap from yeah. that to moving yeah. his body independently and that yeah. sort of thing but he he does yeah so he's pushing himself up and he I mean he looks really strong when yeah. he's when he's doing it we also talked about night sleeps last week mm. he was he kind of regressed and was had gone back to one or two then we came back from France obviously that messed everything because the hour change did not work in our favor. So when it was two o'clock in France, it was now one o'clock here. So mm. we had a couple of nights, we've had a couple of nights of him waking up at about, mm. yeah, half 12, which was really mm. early. Mm. But last night he woke at half two and then I actually got up, made his milk. And then I, we spoke as well about the monitor last week. Mm. I looked at the monitor and he was just kind of rolling around and I listened mm. to the noise and he wasn't crying so I left him and he fell back asleep and then woke up again at four. Um, and so wow. what I've decided to start doing is actually taking one full feed prepped and one half seed prep to bed. And if he wakes up before three, he'll get the full feed. And if he wakes up after three, he gets the half seed and then doing the other half seed because otherwise it does really throw his routine or what you could do is you could give him the full feed regardless and then just drop that morning Definitely. bottle and then bring breakfast, breakfast forward, which we also spoke about last week, which would get yeah. him into a routine of a breakfast, mid-morning bottle and a, and a lunchtime. Yeah. And, and actually, I think that is a really, probably a really good idea because even this morning, I mean, he'd had his full feed at 4 a.m. and he just wasn't interested no, in his milk. Be, yeah. So, and he is loving breakfast at the moment. I mean, right. the other day, cause I always put a little bit in a bowl for me to have as well with mm-hmm. him. I love that. That's that social eating, which we've spoken about, which is so important. Yeah. But the other day I couldn't eat mine because he wanted <laughs> mine as well. <laughs> he finished his and then was still leaning forward with his mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in fact, that was the apple pie porridge. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he, um, but his, so sleeping wise, things are great. He's pushing himself up. We've also, I've started playing with bubbles with him, which he oh, absolutely loves. I love it. And he's just mesmerized by them. But the, possibly, I think we're starting to see the first signs of separation anxiety. Mm. He, he is a little bit harder. We, I've, I've never not been able to leave him in a room to entertain himself. Mm. And he is now just shouting mm. a little bit. He's just sort of a bit like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about this. Yeah. So when I'm pottering in the kitchen, I actually now am putting his bouncy chair in the kitchen with me rather than leaving him to play with his That's toys. Lovely. I could always see him in the sitting room, but now he 
<laughs> he's honestly, I don't know if he's weirdly strong, but he will lie with his head up watching where everyone is. And then he has to let his head go back to rest a bit. He's doing yeah. like these full on sit ups. It's incredible. <laughs> and then watches. Yeah. So he just wants to be able to see. So I just let him, and he just loves watching. He will watch you potter. I can do the washing. Mm. I can do cooking. He'll just yeah. loves watching as long as he can see. But I think possibly. Is that could the start be. of separation? Yeah, it absolutely could be. So yeah, just, I mean, just talking to him, look, I mean, if he can still see you, it's probably not separation anxiety because separation anxiety is specifically when you're out of sight. So he's probably more, and I, you know, he is a bit of a social butterfly. He just doesn't want to miss out, you know, a little bit of yeah. FOMO, like, hold on, you're going to be packing the washing machine without me? Like, hey, <laughs> that's fun. I can't wait until uh, well, the day comes so I can say, it's okay, you do it. <laughs> yeah. No, just you wait. All the moms of older babies are now giggling because what he's going to do is put everything in their washing machine and one day you're going to come and unload the washing machine and you'll take out your cell phone at the end of the wash so <laughs> just watch what he puts into the washing machine uh, a friend of mine once put himself when we were babies into the washing oh, machine Okay. Well, as usual, it's been absolutely wonderful to journey along with Max. He is really, he's a classic baby. He is showing us all the right things to do and all the things that can go wrong as well. And he's been a wonderful sample baby. So thank you for sharing his journey with us. It's a huge privilege for us. Well, thank you so much for all the words of wisdom and the keeping me sane. It's like, I feel like this is like therapy session every week. (laughs) Well, you know, it's quite interesting. So many mums email me and say, oh my gosh, or message me on on social media, particularly when I have have an Instagram live every Friday and they come on, they go, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant and I'm following Cassidy's journey. So (laughs) people really are following it because they want to know exactly what's coming next for their own babies. And what's incredible, I mean, it blows me away every time is that, you know, the things that we say in the session are pretty much textbook for most babies of that age. Some of them, you know, he's been a little bit advanced. And of course that, and some of them, he's also had regressions where other babies haven't, you know, so, but on the whole, it's, it's really, really quite universal what goes on for babies. Yeah. And I, and I have to say it is becoming more and more fun. You know, he's really developing into a little person now. And we sat this morning just with singing nursery rhymes and he just absolutely you know, no toys, nothing like yeah. that, just sitting facing each other, singing nursery rhymes. But now this little boy comes from quite a famous musical family, I think. And so I think <laughs> that musical gene is going to possibly, and you know, and, and that's something, I mean, coming to the, we're coming to the close, but it's something that's important to talk about is that, you know, genetic potential is important. Mm-hmm. But genetic potential is nothing without exposure. Mm-hmm. And so if by any chance Max does actually have this gifted musical gene, which is a distinct possibility from Alex's side of the family, it's very, very important that he's exposed to music, more important than it is for anything else, because it could be that that's where he's going to go. So that's why we need to make sure that there's lots of wonderful exposure to music for him. Yeah, I think he saw a video of his grandfather playing guitar to him and he was just in awe. Yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah. And babies are wired by music. It's the rhythm. It's the, you know, the tone that it's just, it's so important. And, you know, there's research has been done. that's looked and, you know, the, they've called it the Mozart effect that, you know, if, if you play Mozart to babies, yeah. are they more brilliant? And I think that some of the research has been kind of proven to not, maybe not necessarily be as, as well-founded as it should have been. But there is actually other theories that do show that the rhythm of music and particularly classical music, which has very distinct rhythms, is important for the spatial awareness that goes into maths actually later on. And so that there is this connection. So 
I think it is a very good thing, regardless of whether or not he's going to be musically brilliant. You know, he needs to yeah. have the, the exposure. Although in the car, he did seem to really enjoy some quite hard rock music. So I'm <laughs> not sure what subject that. <laughs> okay, great. Well, that's also good for them. But yeah, so I definitely do think that playing music, regardless of what it is, is important. So that's, <laughs> so that's wonderful. Thank you, Cass. And we'll chat again next week. Thanks so much, Meg. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.